Okay, so we are in lesson three. For those that have the work, we'll go ahead and turn to lesson three. But before that, let's go ahead and review part one of the gospel that we learned last class. Part one. Part one, we start with God. We start with God. God is the owner and creator of everything. What verse goes with that one? Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains and those who dwell in it. And what about this God who is creator and owner of everything? He is a perfectly holy God, sinless God, right? Therefore, you are to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. And what does this creator Sustainer, holy God require from us? Perfect obedience. Because we are created in his image, therefore we are to act in his image, and his image is perfection. Yet none of us have done that. How do we know that he requires perfection? James 2. For if we keep the entire law, yet stumble in, we have become guilty of all. So yes, technically you could. If you were holy, you would be in God's presence and you could be with him forever. But the fact is that none of us, is whole, none of, none of us are holy. And that is the bad news. Let's, and to continue with this bad news, we have, so that was God right there. We just did God. Now we, we, we talk about man. Who is man? The greatest creation of the Lord. No, maybe, I don't know. Who is man? What is man? He is a what? sinner. He is evil. He has what? What has he done about God's law? Has he kept it? He's broken it. He's broken God's law. Romans 3.10 says, there is none righteous, not even one. Romans 3.21 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. We've broken God's law. Now, what is the penalty for breaking this law, guys? Separation from God, death. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, what has man thought he could do? Man thinks that he can save himself by being good. But what does Titus 3, 5 tell us? He saved us, not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. That's where we left off last class. That is God and man. Today, we will learn the greatest news. This is the climax of the story. This is the climax of the gospel. This is the pinnacle of our salvation. This is the greatest news that we could ever hear, and it is Christ. And that is who we will learn about today in the gospel presentation. Keep on remembering to pray for those who are on your list. Everyone should have started with at least three unbelievers in their mind, family, relatives, neighbors, friends, and you just pray, pray, Pray for their salvation. Pray that when you do preach the gospel to them, that they can, that the Lord can use that and open their eyes. Now, does that mean it's going to guarantee them that they're going to come to Christ? 
No. But it means that you were faithful to obey God in his command. And God is faithful in his time, in his perfect timing, he will save those who are his. Are, do, do we save? Are we called to save anybody? No. He saves. We're just called to obey. And, and guys, this, this is great. I told you, I learned evangelism through something called evangelism is explosive. And this was like, you would have to go out to the streets and you would have to make sure, like, you had to seal the deal is what we called it, right? Because at the end of each Tuesday night outing, we would have, like, reports and in front of the whole church, right? So how many souls did you save? How many souls did you save? So it was like a competition of how many souls. I would, how many people I can get to say that prayer? And we're going to talk about that prayer in a second. Thinking that I could save. Thinking that I could be an instrument in God's, uh, I am an instrument, but thinking that because I was pushing for that prayer, that that's how they got saved. And it's not like that. God is the one that saves in his timing through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the miracle of the Holy Spirit, not us. So it's easy. You don't have to seal the deal. You don't have to tell anybody you want to pray real quick. Let's bow your heads in front of everyone that's here looking at us. You don't have to do all that. You don't. You just trust in God and he will save. All right. So let's start with Christ. All right. For those that are, this is the underlying portion. Jesus came to earth as both God and sinless man. Jesus came to earth as both God and sinless man. The first verse that we are learning when it comes to Christ is Colossians 2.9. We'll go back, go back real quick just to give everyone uh, time to finish uh, writing those words. And this is also in the gospel track too, so. Okay, Colossians 2.9. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. All fullness of deity. Deity is divine, godly. All deity, all the fullness of God dwelled in Jesus in a bodily form. What does John 10.30 says? state? I and the Father are one. This is Jesus speaking. And what about John for, uh, in John chapter 1? In the beginning, verse 1, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is eternally God. He existed always. But at this point in time, about 2,000 years ago, he took upon himself bodily form. Bodily form. Human. Humanity. Now, what does the Bible talk about, say about Christ's humanity? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. He was completely God and completely man. Completely God in all his divinity, yet he abstained from using his divinity only to the will of his father while he was on earth. 
and he was fully man, going through all the temptations, all the trials that we go through as humans, yet sinless, perfect, did not sin once. Why is this important? Because this is the Jesus of the Bible. God and man. Only God could bear the sins of the world, and only God could raise himself from the dead. No other person can do this except God. There's religions out there that deny this truth. The Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, they do not believe that God was 100% God or a man. And there's some even Christian, Christian sect, false teaching that appear today that said, no, Jesus wasn't 100% God and 100% man at the same time. And that is false. The Bible is clear that he teaches, and it teaches that he's 100% God and 100% man. Always. Any questions on this? And again, theologically speaking, this is called the hypostatic union. This is a core belief in our, as a Christian, you need to know that Christ was 100% God and 100% man. Pastors that teach not... Pastors that don't teach that, are you can consider them false teachers. That's why the book of Colossae is written, all right? The church in Colossae and Colossians. That's why the whole book was going against people who were saying that Christ wasn't sufficient. No, he is sufficient and superior, okay? Next point that we want to reference when we speak and preach the gospel to others, not only is Christ God and man, but Jesus died on the cross to pay sin's penalty and to restore us to a relationship with God. This is the foolishness of the gospel. This is what other people will not understand. This is what sometimes can cause us to think, why? Right? Sometimes it causes you to think, if God knew we were going to sin, why did he create us? For his glory, guys. Always for his glory. He wanted to show the world his glory, his love, and what better way to do it than through this? Sending his only son to die on the cross. For so basically, he, said he knew that we would sin, and he knew he would give his only begotten son, and he still created you and us. Why? Because we were so great and he was lonely in heaven? No. For his glory. Because that's who God is. And he wanted, he is sovereign. Because God is loving, gracious, and merciful, he provided a way of salvation in Jesus Christ. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us sinners. It's not while you were trying to be a better person, Christ died for you because he saw your intention of being good. No, 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 no. There's no intention of being good here. God saw your evilness. He saw humanity's evilness. And he still decided to die on the cross for your sins out of love. Out of love. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
He's the only one to have ever lived without sin. Yet he became sin for you and me. He was falsely accused for you and me. He died a death, an innocent death, because he was not guilty of any, any murder, anything. And he did it for you and for me. He became sin for you and for me to show his love towards us. Not again, don't think of yourself so special. Not because of you, but because of him. Always it goes back to him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 is another one that you have to memorize when it comes to Jesus died on the cross to pay sin's penalty and to restore us to a relationship with God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. See, the sinless, the sinless God-man was treated as a sinner. That he wasn't, but he was treated like one. And he took the penalty of that sin for you and for me. And he did so for all those who would repent and believe in him. What is the result of this amazing truth? We have God's righteousness. We have his perfect life. We have his forgiveness. So when Christ looks at you, guess who he sees? If you are a believer in Christ, guess who he sees? Christ. He doesn't see you. He sees Christ. He sees his perfect life. The perfect life you and me could never live. He, Christ did it and he sees Christ. And because of that, we're able to go before the Father boldly. We're able to pray directly to him. We're able to have a relationship with him. We're able to have fellowship with him. Even though we continue to sin and continue to dishonor his name with our actions and our thoughts, our wicked thoughts, our wicked sin, he still sees Christ. And this is the best news you could ever receive in your entire life. Stop thinking that you can bring anything to the table because you can't. Stop thinking and trying to act Ask God and try to get favor with God because you can't. When you do a good deed, don't do it like, God is going to love me more because I'm going to do this. No. When you do a good deed, do it, Lord. I'm trying to honor you and to thank you for what you have done. I know that this deed brings me nothing. Does nothing for my salvation because you already did it all. But I want to live my life to honor you in gratitude of what you did for me on the cross in obeying my parents, in treating others like you wanted, like I, loving others more important than myself, and obeying leaders and authority, and being the best student, the best athlete, what you can for his glory. You do these things out of gratitude, not out of God is going to love me more. Trust me, you can't do anything, nothing. You can't do anything for God to love you more or less. And that's the beauty of his love. In our highs, in our lows, he is the same. And he loves you the same. Now, does that mean that you're, you're going to suffer consequences? Of course you are. Bad decisions are going to lead you bad consequences. But if you are in Christ, it won't touch your salvation because you can't lose it. Once you're his, you're his, you're his forever. And we go back to, why did Jesus do this? Why? What's the purpose of us being saved and having his righteousness, of him becoming sin for us, so that we can have what with God? 
What were we created in the first place? To have what with God? Fellowship. fellowship. Thank you. To enjoy fellowship with our creator forever. God willingly des- delivered his son and the son willingly laid down his life for us sinners. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. 1 uh, 1 Peter 2.24, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you are healed spiritually. So we know that Christ came to earth both as God God and sinless man. He demonstrated his love by dying on the cross to pay for the penalty of sin. But did he stay dead? No. The third point, Jesus rose from the grave and is alive today. This is important. You have to mention it in the gospel. He's not just a God or a prophet that died. No, he's a He's a God, man, who lived after he died. Where did he go when he rose from the dead? Where is he now? Heaven at the right hand of the Father. In all his glory. Ruling over all. Sustaining the world. Like the Bible says. Every molecule is sustained by Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4 says, for I, delivered you, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day according to to the scriptures. Why is it critical and important to make sure that we make mention the resurrection of Christ? Because the, resurrection, the resurrection of Christ is proved to all men that the sacrifice was sufficient to provide salvation. The father was pleased with the sacrifice of his son, therefore he raised him from the dead. And he is alive today. And guess what also what what other what does the resurrection also say? Well, everything that Jesus said was also true. Because he said, I will die on the third day and I will come back from the dead. So that was truth. That happened. So then everything else that Jesus said is also truth because of the resurrection. The old testament is val- uh, validated. The future New Testament is validated when he said that. The Holy Spirit will be your helper and he will help you remember the things that you have seen and write down in the New Testament. That is why the resurrection is important. His resurrection is identified as the means of the believer's rebirth onto a living hope. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You have hope, living hope, because of Christ's resurrection. He is not a dead God. He is a living God. 
And those who have placed their faith only in him will see him and will be with him in eternity forever. That is Christ. So we went over God, we went over man, now we just finished Christ. Any questions on Christ? Came to earth as a God and sinless man, demonstrated God's love by dying on the cross for our sins, rose from the, the grave on the third day. And then the verses that go in under each main point. Now, the final point, the final portion of the gospel presentation What do you got to do now? As a sinner, what do you have to do? You must repent and believe. You must repent and believe. Okay, Alejandro, yeah, this is the good news. All right? We, we share the good news. Yes, we just share the good news. So what happens now? How does this person actually be saved? How can they be saved? How do you know you are saved? When were you saved? How did that even happen? That's what we're going to go over real quick. So, first and foremost, what does the scripture teach of how a person is saved? Anybody? Yes. But how? Like, literally, how... How does somebody go from death to life? Like, literally, that, that, that transformation. How does that happen? The Holy, the Holy Spirit, yes. You have to be born again. Born again, yes. John chapter 3, Nicodemus, right? What do I have to do? You have to be born again. Do I have to go inside my mom's belly again? No. Born again by what? By the washing and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So you kind of like... Push the Holy Spirit towards somebody and that's how they're saved? You have like this force? So that's, that's how they'll know that they're going to be saved? No, that's not how it works. You preach the gospel, right? You preach all this message, this great news, and the Holy Spirit uses that as a means to then work in the person's life and regenerate their heart and give them a heart, and not a stone heart, but now a, a heart of flesh, and miraculously, he takes somebody who is dead and brings them back to life. But guess what? You don't do any of that. Praise the Lord. We don't. We just preach the gospel. The Holy Spirit does that. But at the same time, it does teach that man is responsible for what? For responding to this truth. He's responsible for responding to this truth. So how do we respond? Well, how does Jesus begin his ministry in Mark 1.15? You can go back. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. It is important that we use biblical terminology when we use and we talk about faith. Believe. Stay away from saying Accept Jesus in your heart or receive him in your heart. There is no sinner's prayer in the Bible, guys. Maybe some of us were saved through the sinner's prayer, yes. But it's not the sinner's prayer that saved you. It's what you're praying to God that saved you. But the fact that you accept Jesus in your heart 
or that you receive Jesus in your heart, it's not biblical, okay? These are the references where they get it from. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. The Greek word here for receiving, John 1, 12, means to acknowledge his claims. Place faith in him and thereby yield allegiance to him. So the, the, the receiving in the Greek is acknowledge what's going on here. Acknowledge the fact that you can't save yourself. Acknowledge the fact that he can only save you. And you acknowledge that you can only put your faith only in him for salvation. Therefore, you don't receive anything. You acknowledge who he is and what he's done. And the other verse of accepting you in my heart comes from Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him, and I will dine with him, and he with me. Well, the context of this verse is a church. He's talking to the church in Laodicea. Matt? Again? Yeah, Laodicea. He's talking to that church. Why? Because this church had shut the door... Of the, on the head of the church. They, they, they completely took Christ out of it. So they were smug in their prosperity, but Jesus was left standing in the cold. He was an outsider to the hearts of the entire congregation. So that's why he's saying he's knocking the door to the church, not to an individual. See, once the gospel is presented, a good transition would be, okay, once you, you say all this and, and, okay, yeah, God is perfect and man is a sinner and Christ saves you, what do you do with this? How can you be saved? You have to believe and repent. What does that mean? Does this make sense to you? What I've just told you? You can say that. Does, does the gospel, does, does this message make sense to you? Do you understand what I just told you about the gospel? The fact that we need a savior? Is that, is that clear to you? Do, do you understand the gospel message I have explained? Do you see your need of salvation through Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you understand Jesus Christ is your only hope of escaping God's judgment, finding forgiveness of sins, and obtaining eternal life? Yes, I, I, that does make sense to me. If, okay, if you do, that means you have to repent and believe. Why not the sinner's prayer, guys? Because we don't want to give the person a false hope that because they said a prayer, that means that they're saved. No, we can't do that because then you grow up with what we have in America today. Churches that are full of goats that think they're sheep. Because the pastors are too afraid to preach the entire gospel to them. The, the pastors are too afraid to say the word sin. Therefore, you have a church full of people who think they're good enough and that God is only love and that judgment will never come. And then you have Matthew 7 a bunch of people telling, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, serve in your name, do these things in your name? And Christ says, depart from me, evildoer, I do not know you. So no, let's not give people a false hope. Because guess what? You don't, have, you don't save anyways. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to save. So you do your job in presenting the entire gospel and telling them the truth of their part is what? To repent and believe. Us knowing who are already saved know that. That's given by God anyways, right? And you learn that as you mature in your Christianity and you learn theology and you learn the doctrine of election. But at the beginning, once you're preaching this gospel, you're not going to get into a theological argument with them. You're going to tell them the Bible tells us that we must repent and believe. Now, the ins and outs of that, they'll understand eventually as they grow. But remember, you're a baby. You're not, as, 
there's a reason why you're in youth and not in Sunday school anymore. And the reason why I don't teach this way in Sunday school compared to here, because the capacity is not there to understand. A baby Christian's capacity is not there to understand completely. It'll get there. Okay? So, repent and believe. So what does repent mean? Repent of all that that dishonors God. 2 Corinthians 7.10. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. There's two types of sorrows, right? There's two types. The one that you get caught, you feel bad, that you got caught now that you actually offended the holy God, or you feel bad about the consequences you're going to bring, that are going to bring, that are going to come upon yourself, or the godly repentance, the one that comes and brings salvation. Worldly sorrow, getting caught. Wounded pride, getting caught. Lustful desires, going unfulfilled. The kind of sorrow that seeks to avoid judgment, not truth or repentance. This is part of the man-centered gospel. Motivated to modify behavior to improve circumstances or escape troubles. What is godly sorrow? What is true repentance? Simply put, true repentance is turning from sin and turning to Christ as Lord and Savior. Theologically, there's a camp that believes that there's something that's called a carnal Christian. Have you heard that before? Have you heard that? Guys, no, yes. Carnal Christians are, you, you come to Christ as Savior, and then as you mature, he becomes your Lord. So you don't have to really change who you are when you come to Christ. Continue living with your boyfriend or girlfriend and doing things out of wedlock. Continue going and doing drugs and continue dressing in a certain way or behaving and listening to this copy of music. Continue saying bad words. You can do all of that. Eventually, you will become a mature Christian and the, and the Lord Jesus will become your Lord. That's, that's not true. The Bible says that when you come to Christ, he is Lord and Savior. You turn from your sin there and then. Everything. Why? Because he tells you to do so. Because if you are a believer in Christ, you have a new nature in Christ. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. And guys, even if you wanted to, you can't. And you wouldn't be able to go back to that lifestyle. Because the Holy Spirit dwelling, you won't let you. That's how you know you're a true Christian. When all of a sudden you started sinning, you were sinning and sinning and sinning in all these ways, and all of a sudden you'll come, somebody came with the gospel, the Holy Spirit regenerated your heart, and all of a sudden what you used to do, you feel guilty about it, and you're like, why do I feel guilty of something that I used to do all the time? Because you were your old self, and now you have a new nature in Christ. And no matter how much, if you are truly in Christ, there's no money in the world that can pay you to go back to living that lifestyle. Because you just couldn't. It's just impossible. So there's no carnal Christian. There's a Christian or not a Christian. Now, can there be a Christian who's living in a carnal way? Sure. But it's not like, oh, it's a progression. Like, oh, I, or, or like baptism of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people believe that once you're saved, you're saved, but eventually you become baptized by the Holy Spirit. No, the Bible teaches that when you're saved, immediately when you're saved, you're baptized by the Holy Spirit. So you're baptized by the Holy Spirit, and you receive your new nature in Christ right there and then. It's all together, one. It's not in processes or steps. It's just one step. So what do you do with this gospel? How do I? you got to repent and believe. The first act is repent. 
Turn away from your sin. It, re- it begins with recognizing one's utter sinfulness and turning from self and sin to God. It requires a submission to the entire person of Christ, relinquish, relinquishing your throne and accepting his. You know you have broken God's law and you respond in obedience to him in every area of your life. And that is why it's more than a prayer. That is why it's more than a prayer. You, it's not just, oh, I, I prayed a prayer. I'm good. I'm going to continue living the way I was, but I'm saved. I don't know if you have friends that way or I know I have friends that they think they're saved because we were together in a third grade class and we walked the aisle and we accepted our Lord and Christ as Lord and Savior. And they're, they're living in pure sin and, and the worst capable of sin that you can think of in Miami. Oh, yeah, I'm saved for sure. Why? Oh, I said a prayer when I was seven. He's my Lord and Savior. It's not about the numbers. It's not about making sure you seal the deal. It's about the clarity of the message. Preach the gospel clear. Let him know the costs. Count the costs of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Isaiah 55, 6 or 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Then the verse, verse 7 is the one that you need to memorize. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Look, actions and thoughts together. And let him return to the Lord. And what will the Lord do? He will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Abundantly he will pardon you. He will have compassion over you, but you have to turn away from your sin. You, you can't be Lord of your life anymore. He has to be Lord. Is this difficult? Yes and no. It's difficult for the unbeliever because he wants to be God. That's why he wants to make his own way to God. But for the believer, what does the Bible say? That following his commandments is not burdensome. He is at will in your life both to, he is working in your life both to will and to work for his own good pleasure. We're not alone in this Christian life. It is a free gift. It is a gift from God. Yes, free. But what does it cost? It'll cost you your life. It is a free gift, but it costs your life. Scripture never talks about saving faith apart from a changed life. It involves a complete change of heart. It involves considering the costs. Abounding immoral relationships, meaning you got to stop. Stopping dishonest business practices, maybe even changing circle of friends. When you come to Christ and he's truly your Lord, you, you stop living in the way that you want to live. You live in the way that he wants you to live. For a Muslim... It means being banned from from his family, right? So it's like the prosperity gospel is like it, it, it reaches certain projects in the world, but I, I don't I don't think it has reached the Middle East because they know that it's not just all oh, going to be health, wealth, and prosperity. No, it's going to be me being outcasted from my family for becoming a Christian. It means 
Maybe you're in high school or in college and have a boyfriend or girlfriend they're not believers. It means breaking up with them. To obey God and his commandments. It means that if you were living a lifestyle of sin for your own pleasure and desires, whether whatever sexual lust, addiction, or whatever you're into, it means stopping that and turning away from that to God. Now, does that mean that all of that is going to get you to heaven? No. It just proves that he is your Lord. Luke 14, 26, 28 says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Love for anyone else must not even come close to to loving our God. And you know the example when he says, take up your cross and follow me. They knew what they were talking about. That's total death. There's no turning back when you have that cross on you. It's already established. You're done with. You know where you're going. You're going to die. You're going to the grave. But you take that cross and you, and you keep on going. This repentance involves confession. Repentance involves confession of sin to God that results in forgiveness. There is a prayer that you say. It's not a scripted prayer. It's a prayer from your heart. Once you see who you are before the holy God, there's no other, and you hear the gospel of Jesus saving you, there's no other way to respond and say, Lord, I'm sorry for everything I've done. Please save me. Thank you for saving me. It comes out of your mouth. Have you have, I, I like watching YouTube videos. I don't know if you do on uh, the way of the master. When he comes to people randomly and he starts preaching the gospel to them, he, you want to pray to God? He's the person's like, what do, you, what do I say? He's like, just what's in your heart? And every time it's like they start praying without a script and the, the person says, save me. Save me because I can't. Thank you. And it's always crying because they understand the gift that they got, they have from God. Seeking and pleading with God for forgiveness. Acts 8.22. Oh, wait. Yeah, Acts 8.22. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray pray the Lord that, if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. What does it mean to be forgiven? To be forgiven, to have complete purification from unrighteousness on the basis of Christ's righteousness freely imputed to us. This is when I tell you when Christ sees you, when God sees you, he sees Christ. He sees his perfection, his life, not yours. The Christian life is marked by continual turning from sin and forgiveness granted by God. almost done. 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you have to repent and now you have to believe in Christ as Lord and Savior. Believe in Christ as Lord and Savior. You have to repent and believe in Christ as Lord and Savior. 
Romans 9, 10 through 9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's some of you that are saved that never said the sinner's prayer. But in somewhere, somehow, this has come out of your mouth at one point without somebody scripting it to you. But there's many people who are unsaved who have said the sinner's prayer. Does that make sense? What is faith? One more. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1. How is this faith demonstrated? How do you know that you're saved? So this is where it kind of comes together. Good works. They don't save you. No, they don't. So what's the point of them? They're evidence of your salvation. They're evidence of your salvation. Good works come from a new heart. Come from a regenerated heart. For those of you that are saved and can remember, you were in darkness, now you're in light. For some of you, can because you grew up in church your whole life, so it's kind of pinpoint when exactly you were saved. It's not about knowing when. It's about knowing why. Why? How do you know you're a Christian? Here's what we always tell you guys, right? We go to 1 John, tests of eternal life. How do you know you're a Christian? Well, do you love reading the word? Do you love praying? Do you love fellowshipping? Do you love serving? Do you love talking about him? Not in perfection, but in going in that direction. Do you love that? Do you feel guilty when you sin? Not, I got caught and I'm going to get grounded and I feel bad. No, do you feel like when you sin, that you've offended God directly? Not in fullness or not in perfection, but if you fall in somewhere in there, those are evidences of how you know you're saved. The fact that you want to read the word, the fact that you want to come to church, the, one, the fact that you want to pray, preach the gospel, give, give up your resources to the church, all these things. And eventually when you sin, it's all there. When you sin, how do you feel and what do you do? That's key. And this is dusty in many <laughs> uh, counseling sessions because I was like, I don't know when I was saved. He goes, when, do you, when did you hate sin? When do you remember hating sin? When do you remember when you, when you disobeyed your parents or disobeyed and then you felt guilty before God? Not before man, before God. You might not remember when, but if you do that now, that's a good sign that you are saved. I told you Paul Washer, the, when, when they asked him, he was like in one of these European countries and they asked him, how do I know I'm saved? And Paul Washer tells the guy, it's like, I don't know if it's like one of these Friday night crusades. He goes, okay, go to the club, get drunk, do drugs, do whatever you got to do. Just go, live your life tonight. And the guy's like, I can't do that. He's like, why? Because God. Like, okay, there you go. It's simple. Faith. 
Faith is taking God at his word and obeying him. There is more, it's more than just understanding facts. Demons do that, James 2, 19 through 20. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? <laughs> believe all the facts of the gospel you want. Good for you. But if there's no fruit, means nothing. Because even the demons believe in God. You can even say while you're presenting, earlier, the gospel, earlier you told me that your hope on eternal life was in good works. The Bible says that for you to be saved, you must place your faith only in Christ alone. So, will you repent? See, will you repent and believe in Jesus Christ or remain under God's wrath? That, that, that is crucial. And let that come be out of your mouth before they leave. Hey, I, I spoke to you this truth. I spoke to you the entire gospel. It's on you and what you're going to do with it. Are you going to repent and believe or are you going to ignore all the good news that I just said? It's all on you. No, no, I want to repent and believe. What do I got to do? Just pray to God. What do I pray? Just start praying. Just start praying. You can pray with somebody. I'm not saying don't pray with somebody. Just let them pray with them. Like, just go. I want to be saved. All right, tell that to God. How? Just close your eyes and Talk to God. And you'll see the miracle of the Holy Spirit work it right there and then. Acts 17.30, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. You can say, because you have heard the truth and because Christ is alive today, God invites and commands you now to turn from your rebellion to God. And number one, agree that you have disobeyed him and deserve judgment and that you cannot save yourself. And number two, go to God in prayer and ask him to forgive your sins and express your desire to repent. The act of praying does not save and is not the switch that activates salvation, but it is our response to the gospel. As you end the conversation, make sure you don't give them a false hope. Right? Don't say, well, you said the prayer, you're good now. Keep on living your life. Nothing's going to happen. No, don't say that. But also, don't make it seem like it's hopeless either, right? Hey, I know what I just told you is a lot to take in. I know that you've been the Lord of your life for a long time. But let me tell you something. Once you make that choice to repent and believe and make Jesus your Lord, it's not going to be burdensome. Because if it's genuine, it, it won't be burdensome because you, you have finally known and seen who you are before God and being a slave of Christ is the best thing you could ever and will imagine. That's it. You don't want to leave them hopeless either. Like, oh man, I got to live. Because then they can be like, now nah, I got to live this certain way to earn my way into heaven. And they just... You, they're already thinking that because that's what humans do. They're, they're Lord of their own life. And workspace salvation is the best way to live in their sinful life and also try to do good deeds in order to get to heaven because we all think we're pretty good people who sin sometimes. And no, we're all evil people who sin all the time, especially unbelievers. They think that way. So you end the gospel with, hey, I know it's a lot, but it's the best. Being the sl a slave of Christ is the best thing that's ever happened to me. 
I, don't, I will never go back to living for myself. All I have is Christ. And take out your guitar and start singing. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs>